Okay, welcome everyone back to the Shiurim on Chivetz Alvavis Shara Bitochen. We are in the Psicha of the Shara Bitochen. We're up to the paragraph that starts off with the word Techilosam. So just a little bit of a recap of what we were about to start last time, last time we, we learned, and that is that we're about to go through the 10 different ways that the Baal Bitochen, the one that trusts and relies on the Hashem, is greater than the alchemist. The alchemist is someone who was believed, this was a, a while ago nowadays, this is not something that's practiced or even thought to be legitimate, but uh, in olden times they believed that uh, the alchemist was someone that had a theory that all objects are really based on the same raw materials and therefore um, one one object, one substance can be transformed into another. And through that, he would make a lot of money. He would turn silver into gold, you know, um, metal into silver, and so on and so forth. So this was someone that could be just, you know, at any given time, be sitting on a pile of gold and uh, would be extremely wealthy, would have all his needs taken care of. And still, the Chavis al is about to enumerate 10 different ways in which the Baal Bitochen, someone that trusts and relies on an Hashem, is far greater than the alchemist. So without further ado, let's get involved over here. And let's start from this paragraph. In my edition with the Pierce of the Late Tape, again, the, the first word of the paragraph is Tchilasam. So here we go. Tchilasam. Firstly, the first Milo, the first strength of the Baal Bitochen over the alchemist is Shabala Kimio. The alchemist, the Baal Kimio, he needs certain means, certain tools with which he can accomplish his craft, his job. And without those materials, his he, he, he won't be complete. His, his work will not be complete. He can't finish his, his job. He can't transform one object into another. And those means, those materials, those tools, are not found necessarily at all times and in all places. Sometimes, let's say the, the tools that he needs, the specific tools, um, are, are are short. They're not in the market. He can't get them. It's... Uh, you know, times are up, so to speak, in terms of the alchemist tools of the trade. Um, certain places just don't have those materials available. It's not like it can't be found in the world, you know, but uh, th- that specific area is having a shortage of the supplies that he needs. And then he's stuck. You know, he's he's not an accountant. He's not a he's not a barber. He's not a, he, he's an alchemist. That's what he does. And now all of a sudden, this his panasa, his whole source of livelihood, is down the tubes. So so much for the the dreams of the big piles of money. Now he's uh, got to start doing GoFundMe's in order to, you know, make a living. So this this guy is uh, is pretty stuck. It's not a, uh, it's not simple. Um, however, Chavis Alavis continues. Let's read inside. Someone that trusts, relies on an Hashem. His sustenance, his livelihood, is guaranteed for him through any means through each and any means that the world has that's available right even if a Bobby talking loses his job yeah that's one Siba that's one cause so to speak um, that's out there that could bring about his panasa but Hashem has all available means at his disposal la Hashem loya to Hashem the world and all that fills it belongs and he is the master of all existence and he can turn out any other Means so get another job or get another thing. You know, an extreme example of this is what the Chayvus Alvavus is about to bring. Kamoshamar Kasev, like the Pasik illustrates and says in 
in uh, I believe it's Parshas Ekev over here. It's it's Dvarim Parakhas Pasagemul. Yeah, this is Parshas Ekev, and it's talking about the man over there. So the pasuk says like the Chayvus of Avos quotes Lemaan Hoi Diacha in order to make known that people should be aware. Because not solely on bread does a person live, is a person sustained. Because on all that which Hashem's mouth brought about, a person lives. What that means, the Peschelev, the Pirish on the Chavos Avavos explains that everything in this world comes from the Pi Hashem, from the mouth of Hashem, meaning that Hashem had ten utterances that created the world. Like Pirkei says, um, whatever that means, obviously we can't, you know, we're not talking about Hashem himself, but what really is going on. Hashem doesn't have speech like we have speech, right? These are just terms that we talk so we can express ourselves and we we can relate to Hashem as, as, as close as possible, but obviously we don't, we know Hashem works. But even the Pazik talks, so to speak, Kalashim B'nai Adam. So Hashem spoke, so to speak, ten times, and through that, all the different, uh, you know, elements, all the different uh, raw materials of the world is created. Everything that exists in the world is is through this that Hashem wants it and wills it and and spoke that it should exist. Like for example, light. Hashem said Yehi Ur, and that's why all source of light is in the world because Hashem is continuously powering it through that, so to speak, utterance of Yehi Ur, that statement that there should be light. So everything at Hashem, is at Hashem's disposal. All all of its existence depends on Hashem. All of its power depends on Hashem, on Hashem, and its direction. Of where it should, its energies should be channeled to depends on Hashem. So everything, everything is at Hashem's disposal. Now we might not see Mon falling down from Shemayim, you know, for a Baal Bitochen that loses his job, but he might get another job, and that's just another means that there is in the world, another form of existence that Hashem is channeling, that it should be directed to the Baal Bitochen, the one that's trusting and relying on Hashem. He's got the money, he has the bank account, he has everything at his disposal, trust in him, rely on him. Now, let's pay attention also that the Chavos HaLavavos, again, and he continuously does this, uses a term of of guaranteeing. That's the, the, the it's not just an inference, it's straight out. He says, Right? The B'teach Balikim, his sustenance is guaranteed for him. Guaranteed. Now, um, again, we mentioned before, there's a concept of Cheshbon and Shemayim, right? Calculations of, of, of heaven. If a person has Averis that are, you know, on his Cheshbon, they need to get cleaned out. If a person has a previous Gilgal, you know, he's a reincarnation from a previous life, that things need to get, you know, a system of checks and balances. You know, there could be all sorts of different reasons, but the, the, the simple cause and effect, all things being equal, no other fact is taken into account. A person has Bitochan, a person relies, trusts on Hashem, he will get his sustenance. No questions asked. That is, you know, a simple business strategy. We don't know Chazbein Shemayim. It's not our job to be busy with Chazbein Shemayim or calculations. We have to be aware that if an outcome happens that's not to the simple cause and effect of Bitochan, that, you know, there's something esoteric perhaps going on. There's something that we don't know about going on. If Ashbish massive, a person should do an accounting, a spiritual accounting. Do I do everything right? Am I maybe perhaps doing a various that, you know, have to be taken care of? Or, or whatnot, but but just without any other factors, simple cause and effect. Person has to be talking, it's automatic, he will get panasa. And if it's not from this means, it'll be from something else. He will get it, you know, sit back and, and relax and enjoy the ride, so to speak. Um, now, 
now, and of course, bitachon, no matter what, even if a person does have chesbein shemayim calculations that he has to take care of, for sure, bitachon is a schus. There's no question that it's a schus um, in, in terms of that he should, that he should get panos regardless. And and there is there are shitas that hold that bitachon is a guarantee no matter what, right? We mentioned the Ramban, the Gro, and Chavetz Chaim. There are are several shitas that hold that bitachon either way is a guarantee, even if a person even if a person's a rasha, the Ramban seems to hold like that, the Goyin seems to hold like that, the the Chavetz Chaim seems to hold like that. We're not going to go into all the particular, you know, proofs right now, but uh, again, that's one side. And even if you don't hold like that, at the end of the day, bitachon for, for sure a schos a merit <clears throat> towards getting parnasa, regardless of one's personal accountings, one pers- one's personal merits. Okay, let's go further. Um, now the chavis of is going to be other illustrations of a baal bitachon that when he doesn't necessarily have the means that are you know right in front of him or what he had before. Um, he still is assured that he will be taken care of by Hashem. And let's keep on reading inside. Um, like we know from the incident of Elio Anavi with the ravens. What is this referring to? So this is referring to a time in history when Elio Anavi had um, some run-ins, shall we say, with Achav, who was the Melech Yisrael, his wife Izevel, who Izevel had a campaign to you know, take out and kill out the Nevi'im in Kali. So Yohan Navi, of course, was a Navi, right? Um, to, you know, we don't understand the evil inclination, the desire to be engaged in idol worship. But the fact is that there is such a thing. There was such a thing. I'm sorry. Chazal took it away from us. They obliterated this Yetzirah, this evil inclination. So we don't, we don't know what it is. But it was a huge thing back in the day. Huge, huge. And the Gemara, this is expressed... Uh, and uh, that's that's the reality. That that was the reality then. So to whatever extent, right? So Achav was engaged in the. In, it had to do with the sin of uh, idolatry. And uh, Hashem caused that there should be a drought, right? Through Eliyahu Navi, there should be a drought. There wasn't any water. Eliyahu Navi had to run away. Obviously, Achav and Izevel were not pleased with him. Um, Izevel either way had had her, her campaign. And and Eliyahu Navi had to run. So he went to a place Hashem told him to go to a certain place. There was a river there. That's where he had to drink. And where was he getting food from? You know where he was getting food from? From Achav himself. From Achav himself, who was in pursuit, had pursuit to get him. That's where his food was coming from. How did this food come from him? He didn't have a shop. He never like a, you know like a, a local kiosk to go to. There were no Seven Elevens. There was nothing there, right? He was out in some some uh, some desolate place. Where, where there was a river there that he was being provided for drink. Where was his food coming from? Ravens went into Achav's kitchen. <laughs> Hear the story, yeah? It's like from a fantasy book, except it actually happened. Ravens went into Achav's kitchen and took from his own food and brought it to Elio Anavi. And Victor Miller happens to point out on the side, you see that Achav had a had kosher kitchen. <laughs> he was, he was uh, probably a, a very devout, pious, religious Jew in, in the... In all uh, many many other aspects, it happened to be idolatry was not one of them. But um, again, with that incredible Yitzhar that we we don't necessarily relate to, but uh, that doesn't mean that he wasn't uh, very religious in in other areas. And his kashrus could be was uh, phenomenal. Eliyahu Navi himself ate from his kashrus. You know what better Rabbi Machshir is there than Eliyahu Navi himself, right? You know, forget about uh, all the the major kashrus organizations that you had. Eliyahu Navi, right? Okay. So, uh, just an interesting thing to, to, to point out. Um, now, there are two other illustrations of this with Eliyahu Navi, as the Chavis al continues. And with the 
the woman, the widow, again, a person that Elio and Avi um, stayed by, and she had very limited supplies of, of food, and basically it kept on replenishing itself again and again and again, even though there were no practical means around. Elio and Avi, classic Baal Tarpoi Muvtachlai. His sustenance is is uh, guaranteed for him. So the supplies kept on replenishing itself and he kept on having food. He stayed there for some time. Another example, V'ugas Ritzafim, a cake that was baked on coals, I believe, and V'tzapachas Amayim, also uh, a supply of, of, of water. Um, basically, another time that uh, Elion Avi was, uh, was in a place, he had, again, no, no, uh, no food. He was in a desert. And then... Um, then all of a sudden, a, a malach came and he touched him. He said, get up and eat. And he looked and he saw this cake uh, from being baked on coals and this uh, this portion of water that sustained him. It came out of nowhere, right? And uh, that actually sustained him for 40 days and 40 nights. Incredible. This one portion, this this meal of the Ugas Ritzafim, that little drink and little food, that sustained him for 40 days and 40 nights. So you see a little a, a little bit of an added Nakuda of Mizbarach B'meyov. See, an incredible thing, Mizbarach B'meyov. Not only, because the Chavis of is bringing this, obviously, to illustrate a point. Each, each story that he's bringing has some added, you know, point to it. It's not just like, okay, let's, you know, just hammer in the same the same exact message again. The the ravens enough were, were enough to prove the point. Um, the, uh, the ravens obviously is something that can even be like you know through the birds. I mean that's a really really it sounds like a real wild example, but it, it happened. And then there was this thing of replenishing, which is a new thing that it's not just the raw food that's being given to a person, the raw sustenance, but it could even be that you see like you know one thing that you can't make a lot of money out of, but you know let's relate it to a job. You know you think that it's going to be done in a in a couple of days, and then it'll just keep on replenishing itself. And then there's the concept of that that that's the the example of the isha mono, like we said before. And now here's an added point with this ugras itself and tzapachas mind that not only did he you know get food out of nowhere, but it actually sustained him for much longer than that food itself would have normally sustained him. This concept of mizbarak mamev. You know I have an illustration from this in my own personal life. I'm not going to give too many details, but basically there is a tzaddik that I know, I'm not going to say where he lives, um, but uh, this this individual, he, he's a tzaddik, he's a tzaddik and he's an, a true illustration of a Baal Vitochen, so he really, really conducts his life, I could go on and on with stories about him, but that's the, I'm not, I'm not going to you know delve into that now, but just one example, I used to eat by this fellow for Shabbos, um, and uh, when I was a bacher, and <clears throat> single, so he, I, I would observe him. I, I, re, I really wanted to get close to this individual, Baruch Shem, I did. And he served, you know, very little. There wasn't really much to eat for the Shabbos Suda. It was like a, a soup with, uh, you know, a little something inside there. And uh, there's a little bit of fish in the beginning. And uh, a little bit of, like, fruit at the end for dessert. That was it. That was it. There was no, like, major main course. He put some little, you know, meat in the in the soup. That was That was the whole thing. That was the whole thing. The whole thing. And I never, ever walked out of his pseudo hungry. Not only that, I had a very hard time finishing everything on my plate. And I heard that his rabbitson, you know, would, would get like, you know, she she wouldn't feel good if uh, like a, a person left over things, you know. Like she would, let's say, have lots of vegetables and stuff in the soup. And it was hard for me to finish that soup. So I right away first ate the salads before eating any of the liquids that if I was going to leave anything over, it would be the liquid. 
<laughs> so it's it just incredible. I, I, I literally saw this concept of Mizbarach Lameyev. This was by far, the, I, I think, by far the beerest Shabbos table in terms of food that I've seen in my life. And it was, I, I, I think, by far, in terms of the time that it took, the quickest to get full and uh, from from any other suda that I've had in my life. It's just, it was just an open thing. I mean, the, the closest that I've come to the Ugas itself and the Tzapachas obviously not 40 days, 40 nights, but it, it was it was an open thing that was just like not with the norm. Um, okay, now now let's uh, let's continue. Further in the Chavis of Avasa, he says, And in the matter of Oivadyo, Avadyo, right? He was a Navi with the Navim. So Avadyo hid uh, many Navim. He hid many Navim in a cave and uh, from persecution. And he had a hundred Navim. So let's let's look at how he quotes from the Pasuk over here in Malachim. Sha'ama in Malachim, this is Chelek Alf, Parakid Ches, Pasukid Gimel. Vo'achbi min Hashem, I hid from the prophets of Hashem. Me'o ish, a hundred men, chamishim chamishim ish bama'oro. So he split them up into two caves, caves. 50 in one cave, 50 in another cave. Vo'achalkileim, and I sustained them, I provided them with food. Lechem v'moyim, bread and water. And, uh, you know, like, where is he getting all these materials? Where is he getting all these supplies? And no one's going to find them, right? They're out in pursuit of these Nevi'im. They want to kill them, right? And he's going to travel. He's going to make all the arrangements. He's going to—he's a one-man show, right? And he's providing for a hundred people enough bread and water for a hundred people, right? There were no trucks in those days, so you know, the, the, you know, anyone could just make a stink operation. This, this is like this is like you know, open for anybody to see. How is he going to do it? How is he going to do this? You know, in a in a like a, in a in a secret hidden way. And he still did this. He managed to do this. To get, the getting of the supplies itself is miraculous. Um, and uh, and. Uh, the idea is that if you have bitachon, it will happen. Now, here's an incredible thing, because Avadi is not talking about having bitachon for sustenance for himself. This is already dealing with other people. This is already dealing with other people. Now, I've seen this idea before. I can't quote, but it seems to be there's a concept over here of a Baal bitachon, illustrated by Avadi, that he's he's able to be betach to get food for other people, unless you want to say that the Nevi Hashem were the ones with Bitochen, and the the nace that happened, um, nace, so to speak, the, it's not really a nace, this is the system of Bitochen, it's not nace, it's the Teva of Bitochen, it's the natural order of things, and we've explained this before, that they were the the, the, the Bali Bitochen over here, not Avadya, but the Nevi'im, and, and Avadya was instrumental in getting their Parnassah for them, and, and that was the, the uh, you know, the illustration of, of Tarpei Muvtach Loi, Mikol Sibba Mesibba Sa'olam, that their their sustenance of the Babitachan is guaranteed no matter what. Okay, could be. Could be I'm leaving that open for, for a debate. Anyone that has um a, a proof either way, uh please send an email to dbitachan at gmail.com. That's D B I T A C H O N at gmail.com. I would love to hear uh your thoughts about that. All right. Um but either way, let's continue in the Khab of Obviously he says as follows, but Omar, he brings a Pasik and Tilm Kapitalam Adal Pasikid Aleph. Kfirim Rashu Evu. Young lions um, are, you know, Rashu, they're, they're, I believe it's like a lesson of being poor, tired, and Evu, uh, they, they, you know, they go to sleep hungry. They're hungry. They don't necessarily catch their prey that they want to, even though they're strong, right? They seem to have all that it takes to get what they want. 
Hashem, but those that seek Hashem, those that seek God, they will not lack any good. We made an inference before, the Chavis of brings this earlier, this Pasuk, um, it doesn't say Yilam Kol Taif, right? Because we want to take away that superficial idea that like having a mansion, having tons of stuff, having tons of resources, that's that's it. That's that's what a Babi Talkin is going to get. No, 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 not necessarily. That's like, you know, the Babi Talkin doesn't need that. He doesn't need that to be happy. What's the point of money at the end of the day? To be happy, to have Yeshiva Das, to have serenity of spirit. You know, you can focus your mind just on Ruchnias, right? So as long as you have what you need, you're technically good to go, but some people that's not enough. They don't they don't have Yeshivadas with just that. They don't have peace of mind with just that. They don't feel they have enough quality of life, so to speak, right? But as long as you you technically are satisfied with the bare basics, so then you do have quality of life, right? The point is the satisfaction. The point is the peace of mind. So a real uh tzaddik, a Babitachan, they don't necessarily need all these fancy things. The fact that they don't have that doesn't show that, oh, Baal Bittachan are not successful. No. It's like saying a person that's sick, he's in the hospital, he's lying there, right? He don't got nothing. Oh, no, no. The opposite. He has a lot, right? He's got a lot of medicines. You see over there, the tubes going in and out. And everyone's like, oh, wow, wow. Look at this guy. He has so much. He has all these medicines. He takes this in the morning, takes that in the afternoon, this in the evening. Wow. And then he has a nurse that comes and checks his blood pressure. It's amazing. Is anyone going to say that? I mean, are you out of your mind? Of course, no one's going to say it. They're going to say, Nebuch, this guy has to take all these medicines. So in a certain sense, now, obviously, you know, everything is relative. We can't be hard on ourselves. But when don't look at this Baal Bitochen, the guy that doesn't need all this stuff. Uh, he doesn't, he, he's not Yia like Kaltai. He doesn't have all these mansions, all this stuff. Don't look at him as the Nebuch, right? The, the, really, I'm sorry, but the guy that has the mansions and all that materialism and all that stuff, and without that, he's not happy. So... It's really sort of on him that it's you know pathetic that that's what he needs, right? Right? The Baal Bittachin doesn't need that. The Baal Bittachin doesn't need that. The it's it's like the guy in the hospital, the guy in the mansion. Now obviously we're not we're not the uh, you know going hard on anyone that lives in the mansion. It's all relative. We have to know where we're holding whatever we need. We need, you know. Obviously we should strive always to have less materialism, more spirituality. That's for a given. But you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, picking out anybody that uh, whatever they have, they have. Obviously, you know, I myself for sure. You know, whatever they, you know, lived with, let's say, uh, hundred years ago, they would look at me and say uh, that uh, uh, I'm off my wall, off the, off the wall. But the, again, the point, the point is that the Baal Bittachon does not need all these materialistic things, and that in no way makes him living less of a successful life. To the contrary, he is satisfied with less. The main thing is, he's not missing anything good because he's always satisfied with what he has, even though it may seem to be little in other people's eyes. Okay. The Omar, and it says in the Pasuk in, in Tilim, Paraglamadalad, Pasuk Yud, Yeru es Hashem Kedoshav, fear Hashem, Kedosh of holy ones, ki ein because there is no lack to those that fear him. Now, what's going on over here? I mean, Darshi Hashem, I know how that has to do with the Baal B'tachem, because, you know, Baal B'tachem are trying to live their lives with Hashem. They're trying to be fully aware of Hashem, trust and rely on Hashem. They're trying to make Hashem as real as possible. The reality of Hashem and His power and His, and his, and his doing good for us as real as possible. So they're Darshi Hashem. That Pasuk has a lot to do with the theme of B'tachem. But now this Pasuk, Yeru es Hashem Kedosh ki ein could someone explain to me what is going on over here? We're not talking about Yeres Shemayim, are we? I mean, we're, we're talking about Bitochen. Hello, right? Bitochen. So what does that got to do with fear of Hashem? It's a nice Pasuk, right? It, it has an important message. 
fear Hashem, holy ones, because ain't machzeli we have it has to do with not having a chesaron, which a babitach doesn't have. But this is people that are yirei I mean, isn't that a separate thing? So I want to share with you something incredible from Rabbi Miller, and he says that yiro is oisiyos reiyo. Yeah, hit it out. Yiro is oisiyos reiyo. I'm pretty sure he actually says this this point. The, the idea he for sure says. I I think he even says this specific detail. And I saw this in another safer as well. The the point is like this. Yerushalayim, right? We go up, like we're we're like you know playing like tit for tat with Hashem. A lot a lot of people, you know, they, they think that that's that's life. You know, I do an error, I got banged on the head. I do a mitzvah, I'll get rewarded, right? And that's like the whole relationship, right? Uh, I'm afraid of Gehenim. I want to go to Gan Eden. That's the whole thing, right? What about having a relationship with Hashem? What about getting close to Hashem? It's not all like some game, like cat and mouse, and and then and then and you get rewarded if you do good things. That's not what it's all about. It's about coming close to Hashem. It's about building a relationship with Hashem. It's about being aware of Hashem. You know what Yira really is? You know the highest madrigas? It's not about being afraid of Gehenim. Of course, that's the place to start from. But that's not what it's where it's all at. Yerusharimus, being afraid of Hashem's exaltedness. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. It's like a king that you're just so incredibly in awe of right it's not a, it's not a matter of being afraid that he's gonna patch you or he's gonna throw you into the dungeon it's that wow this is the melech awesomeness that's that's the higher matrega of yira so yira is very similar to seeing yeah because the more real hashem is by you the more you'll be in awe of him bitachin is all about making hashem real by you real real it's not just something that you read about it's not just something that you admit to it's not just something that you pledge allegiance to it's something that you live with that's what pitachin is all about it's something that you live by you live with and you live by you trust and you rely on hashem that is pitachin that is real year that is one concept of being fully aware of Hashem and therefore being aware of His power, of His greatness, of His love for us, of His taking care of us, of His doing the absolute best for us, and of the fact that He has total control over everything in this world and He can and will always provide for us. Okay, now, now, let's, let's go a little further, okay? Um, let's see the second paragraph. Vasheni, the second mile, the second strength of the Baal. We're talking over the Baal, the Kima, over the alchemist. Kibala Kimia Tzarech Lamasim V'Lamalachas. Baal Kimia needs to do certain actions, certain work. You know, it's a it's a process. The Kimia process, right? Not just that it needs certain tools, but it's also a certain process. It's a certain there's a, there's a certain method, and and he has to go through that work. He will not achieve his desired goal, his, his you know the the result that he wants without that. It caused a lot of smoke, lots of gases, lots of dangerous, you know, um, um, gases that could perhaps kill him in this process of alchemy. Coupled with this, that he's constantly working on it, and you know, he's he's toiling excessively over it, night and day, right? Um, you know, busy in this dangerous environment of these these gases. That could be very harmful for him. He could even die while he's doing the work. Right? He wants to make money to live. You know, it's ironic. He might end up dying from that very work. Um, whereas the Baal Bitochen, the one that trusts and relies on in Hashem, he has confidence. He is assured. He is guaranteed from any 
and all pigoim, any and all bad occurrences, any dangers, because because the idea is like this: nothing can harm him, nothing can harm him. It's only whatever Hashem wants to go to him. But there's nothing inherently dangerous in the Babi Tachan's eyes. He's always under Hashem's watchful hands, under Hashem's watchful eyes, and in Hashem's and in Hashem's hands. So he's not worried about the pagoyim per se, right? It's all a relationship with him and Hashem. It's all a relationship of a loving father and a son. And nothing, nothing can stand in the Babi Tachan's way. So, the liboy batuach min his heart is guaranteed from finding bad things, bad occurrences. Anything that Hashem does bring upon him, even if it's something that looks negative, will be for him a joy and happiness. Okay, the difference between sasan and simcha, sasan is like more of like the instant burst of, of joy, and simcha is more of the like fulfillment that, that lasts. Um, but the idea is that he knows whatever Hashem does is best for him. So if he gets hurt, let's say, he has to show him, right? He gets, he has, he has something that pains him. But he realizes, and not just like he says it, obviously that's a step and it's very important, very important, very, very important to verbalize things that, that makes an influence on you internally. But, but, um, but he lives with this. He lives with this that, hey, this is for my best. The fact that I don't realize that, the fact that I don't know that, yeah, but internally, I know that this is for my best. So everything is a sasana zimcha. And his food, his sustenance comes to him through peaceful ways, right? Through serenity, calmness. Not like these dangerous gases that hold terrible environment that the alchemist is going through. Like the Pasuk says, in, in pastures, peaceful pastures. You, you pastured me. I, you know, you took me through. You led me through uh, uh, tranquil waters. The idea is that uh, Hashem will take the Babi Tachan and, and give him his Parnassah in a secure, safe, calm, easy way, not these uh, dangerous ways that the alchemist is engaged in. We should all have a Tzach in this, you view the Shabbos of Abbas, internalize it, put it into your heart, and we'll see you next time on the Shirem and Shabbos of Abbas show, a division of the Babi Tachan. Please, I am encouraging all our listeners to email any feedback, comments, criticism. You like the show, you don't like the show, whatever you want, but all of it is helpful in terms of helping us mold future shiurim. Um, to this email address, dbtachon at gmail.com. That's D as in David, B-I-T-A-C-H-O-N at gmail.com. Have a wonderful day.